0: Next month, Cannibal Corpse will release their 15th studio album, Violence Unimagined, via Metal Blade Records. Violence Unimagined is state-of-the-art death metal played with passion and breathless precision, making for another flawless addition to the band's celebrated catalog. Pre-order your copy of Violence Unimagined now at MetalBlade.com slash CannibalCorpse. Once again, pre-order your copy. Violence Unimagined, the 15th studio record from Cannibal Corpse. Metalblade.com slash Cannibal Corpse.
1: This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts Peter Spych, Brandon Hahn, and Sylvia Alvarado.
0: Metal Sucks Podcast. What is going on everybody? It is I, your host,
2: Petra Speich. I am always joined by, they call me Smooth D. Brandon Hahn, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at your buddy Gooch. They do not call him that. And the name on the streets.
3: Who called you Smooth D?
2: Is that, and what does that mean? Okay, I'll go outside of my house right now Uh and you'll hear like five neighbors I've never met just yell it out. That's just the reputation I have here in Las Vegas. Not Big D, just Smooth D. <laughs> <laughs> Please introduce yourself to our audience, Sylvia, and my tell us where is, we can follow you. Yeah,
3: my <laughs> name is Sylvia. I forgot to use my flow nays, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at It's The Sylvia.
0: <laughs> and make sure to follow our other co hosts, uh, jocelyn Sharp. That's J O Z A L Y N Sharp on Facebook, Twitter, cool. Instagram, and Wizard of Jaws on TikTok if you guys want to follow me. I am on all of our other podcast handles. That's Rise to Offend on Facebook and Twitter. Rise to Offend Official on Instagram.
3: Can we get Flonase to sponsor this podcast? Who,
0: what the hell is Flonase?
3: Flonase is for allergies. It's like a nose spray.
0: Maybe I we can get some free, free stuff. <laughs> I doubt Where Where would they be linked into a heavy metal podcast? I
3: don't know.
2: To give us money. You,
3: don't, you think metalheads don't have well, allergies?
2: You know, when you're playing Metal Pete, you got to breathe. Yeah. So stop being dumb. Okay <laughs> Hey <laughs> I'll talk to some people and the answer will be no. Get into the game.
3: <laughs> hey, can we
2: get
0: game?
3: Uh, we're trying
0: to help the show grow and you're just kind of like, oh. Yes, Flonaze is the answer. Yeah, I really.
2: Fucking dude, how do you think Iron Maiden became Iron Maiden? Flonaze. Because
3: of Flonaze. This
2: week, guys.
0: Oh, super <laughs> excited. Great interview, great chat. I got to talk to Dwayne Dennison from Tomahawk and also the Jesus Lizard. But we're here to celebrate the new record, Tonic Immobility. It is coming out March 26th pre-order it pre-order it pre-order it i fucking love the record um but before that chat as always let's get into the metal sucks news
1: news All all
2: right yeah First, Dude, why am I not in a band? I don't know.
3: Oh. <laughs> Maybe it's because of that line.
2: Smooth D.
0: <laughs> well, Would that be your name in the band? That would be the name of the band. That would be the name of the band. Yeah.
2: Smooth D. Smooth. Well, it would be Smooth D in the bumps.
3: Mm.
2: I don't want to be a bump. I don't want to be a bump either. I would ask you guys to be my bumps. <laughs> sounds, I was looking, sounds, I was looking to you guys to be my bumps. Nah, it nah, nah, infectious,
3: nah, nah. and it, I want no part of it. All right,
2: fine. First story I want to talk about. We sometimes like to talk
0: about the money side. Sometimes, 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 sometimes not. Sometimes we do when we see a story that just grabs our attention, and we're like, "All right, let's let's see how uh, people are making money in this industry because it is a billion dollar industry, the music industry, and uh, a band that not a metal band, an mm-hmm. alternative metal. I don't know. Kind Hippieish hippie band the mars volta i'm Ooh, a fan of
3: i love mars volta
0: sylvia's so a fan of brandon hates him yes <laughs> so, <laughs> just gonna leave it at that
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's it
0: anyways uh they've been inactive for quite a while but this is something that i found fascinating they released a box set for 479 dollars. okay 18 lp box set it is awesome it's all their records guys and it's sold out In 24 hours, there was only 5,000 copies available. But if you do the math of $479 to 5,000 copies, that's $2.3 million these guys made off this box set. So that just like blew my mind to the point of like, all right, so bands need to now start doing exclusive, these complete discography vinyl special edition box sets. What do you think? Do you think that, that the Mars, or is the Mars Volta just a cult band that can pull this off? And this would cost other bands too much money.
2: Uh, I think, I think, it, I think they are a cult band, and every, with every single cult band. And as much as I do not like this band, they have a very distinct sound. And yeah, of course, uh, people are going to gravitate towards that. And because they are such a cult band, people feel more apt to spend money on them. And they just, and, be, and they just want to let them know that the band know that hey, we're still with you. And I think when you release something like this, especially in an age where these guys aren't really making a lot of money off their regular albums as it is, mm. this is such a must-have for any fan. And if you think about it, I mean, only 5,000 copies. Mars Volta has more than five, way more than 5,000 fans. So if you take... Like, Diehards, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. if you take yeah. like 1% mm-hmm. of the Mars Volta's fans, I'm sure 1% of Mars Volta's fans, you know, they're probably my age, 41 years old, have been working for a long time. They've got $479. They could spend on something. Yeah.
3: Do you think it's because they haven't? Release anything and they're inactive, and they finally release something. So it's like, oh my god, I need it.
2: I think it's the vinyl. I think it's just the fact that they're putting oh. the vinyl out there. There's I mean, when you're a music fan, there's that's the ultimate gift. Sure. It's the is the vinyl because it's big. You can display it. It's mm-hmm. like you can't really display a CD. Well, that's case. the thing. Things
0: like this, I don't know. It, it, it,
2: that's the thing about vinyl.
0: And we've talked about this before. Is a lot of people don't pull the records out. They display them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in in their house and things like that. Almost like a, a picture. And some people, pl- I play all the vinyls I got. But I know a lot of people that don't play them and they just kind of like I want this limited edition thing so it's very special I do think this band is a mainstream cult band what I mean by that is like if say John Frusciante from the Red Hot Chili Peppers put out a vinyl box set of his solo guitar stuff I think he would have the same uh, reaction a huge fan base would come out I
2: don't know about you don't that one guy no dude Mars Volta Well because hasn't
3: John Frusciante like mm. done solo stuff yeah, yeah. I and think, it didn't really blow it didn't up. Up. I, like I
0: feel like no it, it never got mainstream but I, I do feel like his just falling behind the Chili Peppers would mm. get uh, 5000 copies you guys don't think No no
3: I think there's mm. a distinct difference between John Frusciante and then Okay. Chili Peppers. Let's yeah. talk
0: about That's a
2: solo that's a solo guitar player yeah. let's yeah. compare it to a whole band.
0: No I understand that let's and clearly let's talk about like a a metal band, if they put out a complete discovery one that's revered, that maybe has been inactive for like ten years or something happened. Like, clearly, we can't talk about mainstream acts, but say a band like you know, like a Typo Negative, something like that. Oh, Typo Negative, yeah. If they put out this every vinyl yes. limited edition box, I think it would sell out immediately. Well, I, but for again, five hundred You guys don't disagree?
2: I don't. Not mainstream at all. Cult? I think. I think if they even wanted to spend more money on it, they could. And that's, there's even way less albums. But I'm saying like with a typo negative though they were one of those foundational bands that whole genres of music started from them so yeah. I think if they release something like that especially a vinyl again their fans the typo fans mm. first off they're way bigger and way more revered than than uh, the Mars Volta I don't know if you could say that those I are, definitely uh, think that I, I think typos I think typos b- uh, bigger
0: but I don't I mean revered no I think I, th- I, I think when typos
3: when, like more revered
0: right right I what, feel like that Mars Volta is famous for being critically acclaimed I think Mars like, Volta is fe- famous like for being a part, of their... part of one
2: band mm-hmm. and then they just kind of broke off. Oh, it's all about At the Drive In. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I think when you're when you're when you're breaking off from a band like At the Drive in, which is a great band, which which to me I enjoyed way more than Mars Volta. Uh when, when you're breaking apart from that, again, it's it's kind of like, ah, this is like at the drive-in light. But when you're looking at typo negative, it's really typo negative. They have about the same
0: records too, just so you know. But I mean, for me, I would jump at a special If you guys go to the website, MetalSucks.net, and look what Mars Volta put out, it's real special looking. I would jump at a typo negative thing. So this this hopefully will be a thing where... uh Bands start investing in this entire catalog, making it special, and then giving us like a, a limited copy to jump at. I just feel like you have to be kind of a cult band. I don't think... Uh, you have
3: to like some... some no, I don't think that at all. No?
0: Well, I'm hoping more of this happens I in, hope so in the too. metal and hard rock uh, world. I think that uh, having something special like this, and there's no doubt that, okay, they do 5,000 copies of this, 10 years from now, these things are going to go for a lot more money.
1: Oh, for sure. That's
0: something I'm realizing. And we can segue to the next story, which um, they released the um, the uh, uh, the revenue for 2020 uh, in the music industry and streaming accounted for 83% of the $12 billion that uh, the record music industry made in 2020. So with only 17% being physical copies, the CDs we own, the records we own, as that's phasing out i mean this is a this is alarming to me obviously i'm a collector but these things are gonna be worth money because they're not gonna be in print you know um a lot like vhs tapes things like that cassette tapes that are they're trying to bring out these are all kind of collector's items so do you guys feel that i mean what are your thoughts on that knowing that physical media might have two decades left It's sad. Before collector's items is
2: it. It's sad. sad. Uh, Because, you know, like take my wife, for example. She loves, you know, we're recording the show in my house. And, you know, you you look around this place and there's a lot of antique, a lot of old stuff. Mm -hmm. People love old shit. They love tangible And if everything's just gonna go digital,
3: but it's also like a special feeling to have something physical in your hands and like maybe look through the booklet. You're totally right. But people are clearly
2: people
0: are clearly rejecting that. Is that because music has less value? No, it's because it's just
2: because when you put it on a plate for people, Mm -hmm. they're just gonna go with what's easiest, what's easier to grab, what's what's in distance. That's all it is. It's just the people. Pete is Pete is the rare person who loves art Mm -hmm. who will search for it. Um, I d- only know one guy like that And his name is Pete That's it He's the only guy I know like that mm-hmm. I'm Pete Yeah, You're that's Pete, Pete. He's are you Pete. talking it's about you, me Pete. Talking yeah. about this guy <laughs> but, uh, but it's like but the thing is, though, so like when Pete goes off on this, you, you see him. He's like, "Oh," but it's like the rest of us, that's like you true. and me, Sylvia. I mean, it's like, look, we stream, we do that type of shit, and yeah, true. I'll we admit, look at Pete. We go, Aw. I'll admit that I'm contributing to the downfall of everything that no, I love, and it's too. because, and it's not because of the music. Did it's you just, say you're contributing to the downfall
0: of everything you love? Yes, that's a crazy statement to make and be okay with. It's not. I'm not okay with it. But, but the thing but is,
3: you always, know what? He's acknowledging it, and that means he's no. That's growing fair. Up. I know yeah. that.
2: But so, what, what would you do to change it? What would I do to change it? Well, number one, I would make sure that uh, I would ma- the first thing I would do is make sure that Spotify paid their fucking artist. Well, that's obviously you know, and that's what I'm saying. That's and it's a like, huge problem. Yeah, they're they're giant rapist thieves. I hate those rapists. Streams. No, yeah, because I mean, again, money rapists. Yeah, money okay. rapists. And it's like, and again, dude, an artist rapist. It's yes. like, dude, I got you. It, you know, like how do you, how do you how do you even get up in the morning to do this stuff it's like i understand that with certain artists we just did a a rise to offend uh, our other podcast we did a subject on charles bukowski he's got this thing called don't try he puts it right on his his tombstone Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't understand this guy used to work harder than anybody and he's putting don't try in his tombstone well that's because to everybody on the outside it was work to him it was breathing he didn't have to try to breathe Mm -hmm. he's just doing it when you're an artist and you're doing that yeah you're just going to put out music randomly what i do see more of is and you're seeing a lot of this in our rock business because yeah. sylvia and i both we work on a komp 92.3 uh the rock station out here in las vegas and what i'm seeing a lot of now is two-piece bands yeah a lot you of two piece bands. you
3: have Cleopatra. um it's probably another
2: yeah band. yeah there, there's like three or four bands yeah there's three or four bands out there that are that are major popular mm-hmm. and it's because you don't need four guys in a band anymore yeah you know like if anything ta- if anybody if anything taught me that the live experience is is totally not being appreciated it was edm mm. they push a space bar that's not live music but your your well but the the atmosphere, but the atmosphere is. and the, then you the got smoke machines fun. and lasers yeah, 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 and yeah. shit. It's so, all so experience. But it's, I get it. But my it's thing is show. always. But when I you're, it is a show. Yeah. But when I go to places, though, I want I want there the to be the possibility of a fuck up. That's what makes the circus amazing. Yeah. You know. And it's but the same let's thing go with back to the
0: streaming versus the physical copy that people are rejecting now. Let's go back to that because you're talking about the live experience, and I think that's how a lot of people who feel bad about not buying records anymore. They're like, well, I go to shows and I buy T-shirts, and that's fair. That's true. The band will tell you go go to our show, buy a shirt And guess cool. what?
2: These record labels and Spotify and all that stuff—they're taking money out of their but merch this, sales. But now. this
0: last year, that didn't exist, right? So there wasn't a spike in physical media. No, even though the band's everybody knew wasn't touring. Yeah. Dude. So nobody, nobody, nobody. It seems like the the majority didn't take the extra effort to, you know, try to give the band more money through. They buying couldn't. the physical. They medium. couldn't. Is okay. this
3: why? Because I did notice something on Chevelle's website mm-hmm. where their album near Atias, it was signed, but it was going for twenty bucks. Okay. So I mean, is it weird that they're lowering the price? Like it's a signed album.
0: Well, I mean, and and. and Maybe, maybe they print it out. May- Here's the thing is that I saw the charts a little while ago, and, and I believe a band that they're pretty reckless, the Taylor Momsen band. Mm-hmm. I really hope that they become huge. I think she's a rock star and everything like that. So, nothing bad I'm saying here, but she topped the Billboard charts, and I saw the number of how many units were sold, and it was only 16,000. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which, again, there's 370 million people in America, right? So, 16,000 people went out and got. Not all those people got a physical copy, but that's, let's just say the majority did. And by the next week, they expect that to drop like 90%. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the physical copy is clearly something that, say, Chevelle's like, hey, we printed 20,000. Oh, wow. We need to get rid of these. So let's mm-hmm. sign these and sell them cheap. Oh, I see. Because the value, it's devalued. Well, You know? Um, oh, okay. And so the value might be lower because Chevelle is, I think, one of the, for me, for me they're consistent the- Consistent straight they're mm-hmm. the As far as hard rock goes, they're the most consistent and pretty much one of the best hard rock bands out Period. there. Radio bands Period. by far. Period. All their records are good. I'm a big fan of Chevelle. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm going to go out to the record store and buy that record. But now the more and more I go to my record store- I see that they don't have all the new releases. Mm-hmm. They have very few, as a matter of fact, which leads you to go to the websites or, for most people, probably Amazon. So the the value, when it's devalued, if you can't make money on the product, yeah. you're
2: not going to print it. That's what I mean. It feels like this 83% no, okay. of streaming revenue is trouble, man. Well, this, and you're, you're totally right on that, but this is what's going on with the artists, though. They're starting to realize that we don't need these record companies. We just brought up a band like Cleopatra. They made their own following on... Websites like SoundCloud and stuff like that, just getting it out there. All they got, all they need is the opportunity, and that's the one thing with these these record companies. They're not real. They're realizing. They're just now realizing, like, oh my god, we used to be the only opportunity yeah. these guys had. Yeah,
3: but like you said, now they have SoundCloud, right. they have Spotify, right. they have you know social media. And, and that's yeah,
2: but why the, it, the DIY approach
0: is a lot, lot, lot harder. It's very much. Than it's people, way harder that people think, and it's a lot harder to get in where you need to it's get. It's way harder. You have to, you have but to. But you yeah. are
2: seeing maybe. more and more DIY cool. all the way. And and, and and again, though, dude, you're seeing like,
0: more and more because this is because music is a side job for people. That's it's not right. their primary um. Well, maybe right. it's this generation's
3: record label. You know, like they had to try really hard to get into a record label, but their only outlet is now social media. And mm. so that now they're going to work hard on that. And
2: that's the thing. It's like when before you would see an artist you know, we, we've seen this happen. I think Macklemore might have, as, a, as an, an example, one of these rappers that made a big song a few years ago, uh, he was completely unsigned. He just put out a YouTube video mm-hmm. and then it blew up. Same thing with a lot of these other bands that we're talking about. Like mm-hmm. we just brought up yeah, patrick and stuff like that. Like yeah. yeah. That stuff happens. And it's mm-hmm. like, and I think what's going on is these bands, they're realizing like, Oh, I got to do, let's just create, let's just put it out there. Mm-hmm. And if it gets on the right side, but that devalues it. I, dude, everything is getting devalued. The fact that you have hundreds, there is probably thousands of bands out there that are putting stuff out on top of one another. Like so, the, the the chance of it being in front of your face is very slim. But and that's
0: something that you don't see in this in this article is that okay, eighty three percent of uh, revenue is streaming services. But how much content was pumped out in twenty twenty opposed to twenty ten? Like that's something that I want to know. I want to know how much content you are right has doubled the revenue. Or made the revenue as high as How much content do people have to put out now? How many bands are there? Like like with Netflix, it just seems like or any of these streaming services, it just seems like any script will do, anything will do, we just Absolutely. need content. We just need content. So everything's mediocre. Yeah. You know, it's Absolutely. very hard to find anything that's above that line, you know? So because the it's just a matter of forcing content out. If well, just, music becomes that, if film becomes that which it has, okay. I, I I do understand that. But if it if it becomes that, my point is is that we're watching the decline of, of the art and versus commerce in, in this mm-hmm. country, and we're all kind of okay with it. So how do we make a 180-degree turn and change that where people actually feel there's value to the music that's being put out there, monetary value, so these people can live off of it?
2: The artists need to be compensated. They need to be compensated. Okay, well, I, I, that's I, what needs to happen. And it's like, and, no, and, no, no, and but the I, only way that does happen is if the streaming services stop
0: being no, greedy cuts. No, 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 I disagree. The only way that happens is if the consumer
2: stops nope. being a greedy It's not going to happen. The consumer turns its back. It's not going to happen, Pete. I, I know it's not going to happen. Consumer but only you... want, the consumer only wants what's in front of them. They just. Convenience, want I got convenience. it.
0: Convenience. But the bottom line is that the only way this will turn is the consumer. If the consumer boycotts, like you're talking about Spotify, we're not doing this anymore, you're not paying the artists anymore. One of two things will happen. The artists will get paid right, okay, or Spotify will go away.
3: Well, how many times have, you know, artists and people have complained about Spotify? They've, I'm pretty sure they brought it up.
2: Well, it, it And has Spotify
3: changed? No,
2: no. And that's the thing. Like, all these artists, they're like, look, this is the only vehicle that we have, yeah. but it's fucking us, but it's our only vehicle, so I guess listen to it, mm-hmm. you know, and... I understand that it, it, when you talk to an artist from that was popular, you know, 30 years ago, and then you talk to an artist that got popular two years ago, the, the stories are so vastly different. It's like, um, it, it's, like that, it's
0: a sci fi novel. It's generations, though, you know, Yeah, um, things change in generations. So, I mean, that makes sense. I, I feel like 10 years ago, you can say the same thing. I do um i definitely
2: feel like you could say the same thing i'm just talking about the compensation from the artist the lifestyle that the artist had they actually were able to do stuff they could actually focus on their art but no now they have a 40 hour 50 hour a week work uh, a 50 hour a week job and the art's a
0: gift for people that's how i feel i feel like i gotta i have to survive and i'm gonna give you guys a gift and i appreciate the fan base i think there's a lot of especially in in our genre and sub subgenres and all that stuff. Um, and then the younger ones can go out and tour, you know, because they don't have the same responsibilities as maybe the guys that have been in the scene for a long time. And I do and I do understand that because life changes, but I do feel that we as consumers have to take. eventually, we have to look at ourselves, take responsibility if we're really sad about it. Uh, we're I not gonna. I, I see your cynicism. We're only, not gonna. Only,
2: it's not the fact. It's not cynicism. You mm-hmm. see, the only people that recognize this, Pete, are people our age. Young people don't recognize that shit. They grew up with this. No, I know. So for them to sit there and go something that they grew up with, something that they're, that's so normalized, and yeah, then for but, them to go, you know what? I want I want life to be the way it was my when, when my dad no, was fourteen. It's like
0: it doesn't work. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that as generations rise, we're the parents. Right. We are. And we either teach them the streaming services of the way to go. And this is what music is, or we give it worth. We do have a say in how you're teaching people to consume art. We do as parents, no. right? Cause our generation now has
2: children. You no. don't think so. I don't think so because I mean how how many kids do I know that their parents didn't want them listening to XYZ and they mm. still got their hands on it. If they want to do it, Pete, they're going to do it. Mm. You you as a parent, you could sit there and say, "Hey, don't do this. Did you do everything that your did your did your dad tell you, "Hey, Pete, don't set a a, a a desert on fire. And you were like, no, he I'm going to do never said it. that before I did it. You <laughs> wow. never said before that. Though. I mean, that was common knowledge. I
3: love <laughs> that loophole, Pete. Yeah. This is lawyer
0: Pete. I <laughs> didn't say that <laughs> before. didn't say that. It's so how, afterwards. It was yeah. like, hey, you know you're not supposed to throw yeah. smoke bombs in You're in like, in I don't, how am I
3: supposed to know? You didn't no. tell me, Dad. Yeah, yeah.
0: Wow. <laughs> I didn't say that to my dad. Yeah. Counselor Pete over here.
1: Loophole. Yeah,
0: Counselor
1: Pete. <laughs> wow, Pete. <laughs> What we have here.
0: My dad was like all right just go to your room wait for the cops
1: <laughs> That's what he
0: yes said. yes wow. the cops never came ah bojo 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 good man anyways but anyway, <laughs> I, I see what everybody's saying but yeah. we we preach this especially in modern times we preach this righteousness of being fair and trying to do the right thing we preach it more than i have ever seen in my life and yet the actions There's more conflict and the it. actions <laughs> don't match the words so yeah. if we're going to if we're going to keep preaching this Let's do it. You know what I'm saying? Let's just say, hey, you should be accountable if you love music, okay, to actually make sure the next generation knows its worth, make sure that physical media is something that helps the artists, and therefore you have to teach people to do that. If you don't care and you just want them listening to Master of Puppets, which they will, Mm -hmm. okay, which turned 35 uh, this this week. So happy anniversary, anniversary. Master of Puppets. If you just want them to have ACDC Back in Black and the Zeppelin records and nothing of their own generation, Mm -hmm then fine yeah roll this way but in order for the bands like those bands to happen right now
2: in five years from now dude there's got to be I has got to be a monetary following i think and, if you're a band i think if you're a band and you, if you keep putting out this is the mars volta is almost like showing us the only way for these guys to make money and that's after years and album after album mm-hmm. after album it's like you have to build up this following, and then you can give them this little treat that you can't find anywhere else. And that's the only way you're going to be able to get... I mean, th- that $2 million that the band got, it's probably the biggest lump sum they've ever had.
0: I would imagine from record sales. Yes. I mean, I don't know. Like, back then when they got signed, they, they probably got signed for a oh, yeah, 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 change. Well, my point signed, is, yeah. for, for like a band that obviously hasn't been inactive. And yeah. I don't know how much of that goes to the cost of the... you know, So it might not be that, but let's just say they
2: get half of that. I just don't know how you manufacture... Uh, nostalgia, and I think that's kind of what this was, and, well, they, and it worked. Well, nostalgia's supposed to be our, we're the
0: target audience from nostalgia. Right. The problem is is that the youth seems to be the target audience for nostalgia, and instead of they're getting their own things, they're looking at our stuff.
2: Well, then youth doesn't the have anything. I mean, it's like, what, well, what does the we, youth have? They have. They have MP3s. Not on the threes, We're not on the pulse, but dude. they have MP3s. You know what I mean, or they have Funko dolls or something like that. It's don't like don't badmouth Funko Pop. <laughs> <laughs> out, oh, don't goddamn. You... I won't even go down this route. I'll yeah. sound as stupid as you just said.
1: Funko did.
2: dolls. Funko <laughs> Pop. Funko Pop.
1: You there know.
2: Go. I'm just saying. It's like I that's have a Kurt what Cobain they have. one. There you, you do? do? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's and that's cool. what I'm saying. And there's a ton of people out there. They're like you know. Em. And because the Funko people know that there's so many people out there that oh you you found my little niche thing and you made a Funko doll that looked just like this other Funko doll that you came out with two years ago cool you know Funko I mean? pop, man
0: Hey, I'm just saying I won't <laughs> preach anymore but yeah guys if, if you love the art like I said you know you got it you got it you're the consumer you call the fucking shots dude do it do the right thing if if uh, I understand that CDs and vinyls they take up a lot of space and I know a lot of people don't have a lot of space I get all that dude um but Mm. hey there, you could buy them and sell them back to your record store you'll buy them there's, back there's a compromise you. to uh, to you know yeah i mean that sounds kind of like recycling it yeah i don't know there's I mean, there, right? there, there's a compromise to being like you know what at least i got to buy 10 records this year you know we do a 15 album of the year list maybe that's it maybe you just compromise i bought zero last year i just need to make 10 or 15 this year so i can mm-hmm. keep this alive it's, it's that's simple that's all you just got to make it a priority so next story before we get into our i know we kind of went off all over the place there no, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, too. Mm-hmm. Thank you for reminding me I set a desert
2: on fire when I was a child. <laughs> hey, man. <Appreciate laughs> and you found a that.
3: loophole. He didn't tell me that.
2: I always, love I, I, always, oh, I always love letting everybody know that, look, there's a dark side to Pete.
3: There is a dark he side. He doesn't oh, show
2: it. I'm not always the good guy. He, he doesn't uh, show it. What? I show it. What are you talking oh about?
0: God. In life, we're all bad guys sometimes. Everybody yes. in the world, Doctor so, Spice. Sometimes you got to be Mr. the bad guy, man. That's it's true. It's, Dude, it's happened many a time. I'm
3: surprised. Really? Yeah. He's
2: okay. got a Mr. Hyde to him. I love it. Oh, I think is that, it's, I think it's Doctor Jekyll. Doctor Jekyll. Dr. Jekyll. It's yeah. Doctor Mr. Hyde was no Doctor Jekyll is the good guy. Mr. Hyde's the bad guy. I'm pretty sure you're wrong. Yeah, I think I'm you're wrong too. Right? Mr. Hyde's the bad guy. Yeah. Doctor Jekyll. Jekyll and Hyde? Because he was a doctor. He's the one that that made the the serum, and then he drank it. Then he became Mr. Hyde. Mr. Um, Hyde's the bad guy holy shit i think
0: we're wrong sylvia
2: oh i don't know i don't, so care. I don't care i don't care i'm not cutting it out cut it out Let her i don't want to
3: see i don't want to have gooch be right
0: brandon feels i good. never want this to be right, right. he hates it michael right. sweet from striper he's a little older than us so he's a little you know he's got a point he's here just
3: still dancing over there um, <laughs> so
0: it feels good to be right <laughs> I, I, i'll be honest i've never heard a striper song i don't know the band striper uh too more well of a, uh, they're an christian? 80s they're a christian 80s hair mm-hmm. metal band you know they're very popular to my knowledge but he uh great guitar player he believes that it's just a matter of time until the the Bible is canceled. Uh, I think this is in regards... When I read the article, I think it's in regards to because they're canceling some Dr.
2: Seuss books. Some Dr. Seuss books. Books that you probably didn't even know. It's like...
3: Is it Cat in the Hat in there?
2: <laughs> no. No. Oh, okay. uh, the books are ca- canceled by Dr. Seuss. And again, we don't know
0: if this is linked. Is uh, And to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, If I Ran the Zoo... Uh, McElliott's pool on Beyond Zebra, scrambled eggs and super, and the cat's quizzer. And I do own, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, I do own that book. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I do have one of those. Yeah. Uh, the rest of my I, I have not read or, or seen, but they will no longer be published because they portray people in a, in a ways that is hurtful and wrong. Um, so we'll just move on from that. But the point is, is that canceling books doesn't mean canceling a religious book like the bible but do you really think no. that at any time any kind of religious book would be canceled there's no way canceled? it's it's, no it's, way. Going, it's again we there's these people that go these extreme comments but there's no way that they'll cancel a yeah, belief system.
2: Pete knows that Pete. This is one thing Pete and I have in common. Uh, not in common. Um, actually, this is one of our big sep- things that separate us. Uh, he always likes to call me a doomsayer. He's right? a doomsayer. No, I'm not. I'm 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 a I'm a fucking soothsayer. Uh, but uh, <laughs> soothsayer. Soothsayer. Continue. So uh, uh here comes the doom. Oh. So here comes the doom. <laughs> yes, it's coming at you. Oh. What were we talking about again? <laughs> there you go. He doesn't Gross. care. But no, you, you threw just me
0: wants
3: off. a doom. Just doom it, bro. It. I didn't want to doom, doom it.
2: Doom away. Just doom it. What were, we we're, talking? we're talking about the Bible. Wow. Oh yeah, okay. Okay.
3: Okay. I'm sorry,
2: dude. We I'm, I'm had a white things. claw. I had a white no, claw. No, you had a white claw. So That's tired. what's fucked you up. It totally screwed me up. Okay, um, the. What were we talking... Oh, the Bible, okay. Wow.
1: Oh, my the God. The reason why... I'm not going to do Just keep it in there, dude.
2: Just
0: please, keep it in. Please, love, keep love. This, it. this statement's gonna be really... Oh, dude. I mean, so it. many people are...
2: Gonna- hey, hey, Brandon, go- Brandon, we're talking about the Bible getting canceled. Go, go. Doom okay, it. so the Bible is getting canceled, you guys. No, <laughs> this is why I don't think it's ever gonna happen. Number one, there's too much of a community there, and on top of that, what, it, like... And here's the thing. This is one thing that... Uh, and I'm not trying to blast this one group, but because it is America and everybody's playing the victim Mm -hmm. here's an here's here's the white christian male saying like oh i'm under attack and it's like i'm not gonna say you're under attack buddy just things have changed that's all dude you are now seeing more imagery from other religions and other groups it's not Mm -hmm. just christianity which was the case 20 30 years ago you know it's like that's all you saw now Mm -hmm. you're seeing all this other inclusion and guys like that um you know they do jump the gun a little bit i don't think uh, i'm not going to slam the guy but i understand why he would come to that conclusion i mean don't get me wrong i do stand-up comedy believe me the the cancel culture it is a real fucking thing mm-hmm. and you, i've said this on the show many times there is nobody i despise more but in a situation like this it's like come on man i don't think a billion dollar a billion dollar industry like christianity like the bible you think they're just gonna cancel that's never gonna happen and on top of that, too, what are you going to do? You're going to cancel the Bible, and just uh, how many millions of people are just going to go? Hey, wait a minute, what? Like, <laughs> like not just contraband, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you think that's going to happen? No, it's an extreme Now thing. I will tell you this, though. The one thing that does scare me is I do see something. Now, what? Now, if that guy, I'm not going to say if he got his way, but then you look at the V for Vendetta route where they were canceling, they were canceling the Quran and they were canceling all these other religions. It's like, are, is he going to stand up and go, Hey, don't cancel that? don't cancel that other book as well. I mean, it's like, I want to know just where, where does, where, where does your line get drawn? Mm -hmm. Is it just a Christianity? Is it just a canceling the Bible or is it another religious text? I mean, it's like, where, where is your outrage going to begin?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I do. I've always been one to take things for the time that it was written and the the world that I was written in. Yes. And that's kind of like, if I wasn't a part of that world, I'm not going to change that world because that's history, yeah. right? That's how you learn, Of oh, this is how
2: people thought. And that's wow. what people want to do and that's the sad truth.
0: Yeah, I feel like maybe maybe that's no. the route is that you don't want to make anybody uncomfortable alive today. Everybody that was dead, who cares? You know, um, by whatever the art was in the past. But the art in the past, I think we learn from and there is some to great not ideas.
3: not repeat it.
0: To, well, right. we we seem to repeat everything, don't yeah. we? Yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of it.
2: I mean, like
3: Mom jeans.
2: Mom jeans, yes, yeah, styles. mom jeans. Can yeah. never get away from them. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> but uh <laughs> so bumping in that minivan. Mm-hmm. So I
0: I think that again, people always take something to be like, "Oh, this is unfortunate that they're canceling these Dr. Seuss books." I'm not defending them because I don't know the whole details behind yeah. it. Um I don't know what's in there. I don't really know. I have the Mulberry Street book. I can look at it and see if anything raises my eyebrows. Doubt it will though. Um but the point is is that, you know, it, it's just an extreme version of like, stop, stop, stops. You, you need to stop this from happening. Bill Maher went off on his show. you know, he's a liberal. He's a Democrat on our side of the fence. and he was very much saying the same thing, like, you guys, like this is what 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 we're doing here is is very harmful to, you know, everyone. you yeah. know, it's just very harmful to us to communicate. It's very harmful for us to not be understanding to how history was made. It's what- very harmful for us to. Look at someone immediately and want to say there's something villainous about their makeup because they said, wrote, or did right. something at a different time when you weren't around. It's the, very harmful to do that. And you're right. And the thing is, is... And what it does is it makes us all villains. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a bad guy sometimes and I'll own it every time. You know, I that will. still scares me. Don't worry about it. I'm a bad guy to you still. Um, I, I don't know if I've been a bad guy to Brand. I've had to have if I've known him. I mean, we've said awful things to each really? other, but that's it. Oh, yeah, we've, man. We've said things. We've never, never yeah, done I don't anything. think I've done anything bad. I, I don't. I, like I said... I, I imagine I, I, I do owe him apologies for some words I've said in the, in the past, and he, he got them. But the point is, is that I don't. If, if you're not there, if you didn't grow up in that time, you don't know what it was like. Yeah, I yeah. do not. I will tell nobody what the '70s was like. This I was not alive. The only thing that <laughs> you know. And if me, I look back and I'm like, "Wow, that's it's
2: a different time now," that's what I say. But right. I don't want it to go away. Yeah, you know? I there, don't want the reality. We to We need to understand be, that we have made changes. That's the one thing about america right now is we are focused on the past and we need to i just want the people to understand that we have totally made changes Mm -hmm. like stop trying to say that we haven't grown since the 50s are you out of your fucking mind who's saying that just people are dude it's like it's like like all over the mainly liberals you know i mean they're just like we're still in the same and i'm like oh my god like it, it watching people cling so hard to the doom you know, I mean, mm. cling so hard to this is really what it's like. And they will go to such great lengths to show you just how shitty. There is an example
0: on there is a case by case example for every opinion and every side yes. in history of all the time. So there is no arguments to win here. You just look. You just want each generation to be smarter and grow. And I don't think canceling things is the way to go.
2: No, it's not. And so, I, I think the first sign. Of I don't it...
0: think le- teaching people new hate rhetoric is the way to go. Yeah, that's bad. yeah. Well, that's it's what's been going on now. now. Yeah, it's there. There is so much hate rhetoric out there that is okay to oh, say course. to people now. And I'm like, wow, this well, is okay. So we're replacing that hateful word for this hateful word, and we're changing its meaning. It's 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 the same. Like I said, it's the same reasoning and bully tactics but like if you believe you're right those tactics matter so not a fan that they're um getting rid of these dr seuss books even though i don't know the facts about it um but i'm pretty sure the fucking bible's safe yeah i (laughs) think we're okay so let's not go to extremes and that those
2: comments are what make you kind of take a step back and be like look at this guy but come on but you know what though dude it's like again just like what i was saying it's like just because you don't agree with that person or just because they said something a little out of context it's like you don't have to take apart their career you don't have to try and ruin their marriage it's like and that's what's going on it's like people are just taking random words that are usually said out of emotion and they're going and they're just like saying that this is this person's identity and mm. it's not we got to get no, past no. that no no
0: i don't think anybody on this planet as a human being can be like that one moment defines my 60 years on this but you see that's the thing we can say that
2: about ourselves now can somebody else sit there and go hey that one moment defines you now if it's somebody on the outside some of these people they will be like oh yeah that moment is totally you that defines you and it's like never change
3: and right
2: so (laughs) live to win
0: (laughs) right sure anyways so with that guys before we get into our interview here with Dwayne from tomahawk we have a podcast for you guys. It's the Punk Rock MBA hosted by Finn McKenty. The Punk Rock MBA is a show about doing what you love for a living in the business side of being a creator. Go to www.prmbapodcast.com to check out new episodes. The Punk Rock MBA features in-depth conversations with artists that teach and help you achieve your goals as a creator or entrepreneur. Past guests include Matt Halpern of Periphery, Matt Heafy of Trivium, Tommy Rogers of Between the Buried and Me, and many others. To me, the coolest thing about this show is that there is so much experience and lessons that people have no idea goes into being a successful creator on the business side. And the personality needed behind it is shown by all these artists on the program. You can listen to the Punk Rock NBA wherever podcasts are available or go to, once again, www.pr. Mba podcast.com. That's again PRMBA podcast.com. And with that, let's jump into my interview with Dwayne Dennison from Tomahawk. Everybody, what's going on? Petter Metal Sucks Podcast on the phone. I have Dwayne Dennison from Tomahawk, of course, and the Jesus Lizards. But we're here to talk about tonic e mobility. It's coming out March 26th, guys. Oh, Dwayne fantastic record fifth record now let's talk about the origin of the thank band you. a little bit oh you're very welcome thank you sir for for putting this one out for us but um 20 years ago is when the first record came out um when you and uh, mike decided to start this group did you did you feel it would have that 20 year uh, it's almost a drinking age did you think it was going to reach that age
4: no i never thought i never think that far ahead um well plus it's been very intermittent but I- We did, um, when we started, we did two albums within three years and then, and then it slowed down a lot. And then we didn't do anything until 2007. And then we didn't do anything until 2012. And then now we have, this is the first thing since 2012. So it's only been like five albums in 20 years. So that's not a particularly, uh, torrid or productive pace, but you know, we all do other things. In between, obviously, so um, it's just kind of how it's worked out.
0: I remember it's it's crazy because um, I've seen you guys quite a few times. I was lucky enough to do that, and I remember one of the moments that I had that was kind of gold. I'm in Las Vegas, and uh, okay, right when Mitt Gas came out, it was, and that's when records were released on Tuesday, guys. And uh, you guys played out here at the House of Blues, and um, I went to the merch booth, and some guy broke open the copies and he sold me a copy and it was like a Friday. So it was only like three days earlier, but I got the copy early. Right. And it was like okay. this magic moment for me. <laughs> it's, uh, it's something that's, uh, it's just really easy to remember how, like how your heart skipped when you saw that cover art and something about tonical immobility I wanted to bring up is that your guys's cover art has always been images, things like that. But this one photograph, why did you choose that for this record?
4: Um, we wanted something to reflect a more just a sort of spacious vibe, a spacious atmospheric vibe. And that's kind of what we got. There's, you know, it's, it's kind of a restful image. You know, you've got water, this body of water and then the air and clouds above it. So it's spacious. There's no people in it. And your imagination, you're free to wander in. And, you know, the music isn't, isn't always restful. Obviously it's, you know, it's a rock band and we play hard rock. But there's also elements of, of um, spaciousness and um, atmospheric and cinematic kind of things. So it kind of reflects that.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And, I, and cinematic's perfect is a perfect example. One of the tracks that uh, I did want to bring up because I know that the the, so, the lyrics and everything like that, uh, Patton does write that stuff, but the songs are, are 99% you. That's, that's correct, right?
4: Pretty much, yeah. And actually, I do participate a little on lyrics. Like, I will I'll say, hey, Mike, I've got a couple notebooks. I've got a couple pages of stuff. You know, you want to look at them? And so, sure. So I'll, you know, I'll put together some files and send it to him. And, he can, you know, he'll pick through and maybe use a line here and there or a couple lines here and there. Um, so I have a little bit of input on that, but not much. No, it, typically that is how, how it works with us.
0: And one of the tracks that I, I did uh, bring up was this, a song called Fatback. Now, you you guys have this... You put in this guitar solo in that song with the drums and, and everything just behind it. It's just an explosive moment in the middle of that song. When do you feel uh, as an artist that you feel, musically, you're like, I need it to explode right now just so we can just get, grab everybody's attention in a new form like you did on that track?
4: Um, Well, that's funny. That that track uh, in, was what informed that. So... The, when the solo comes in, it switches to a straight four, four times. So it's, it's very, very natural sounding to have an explosive moment. But the main riff of that song, it's funny. I, I actually thought to myself, let's see, I want this to sound evil. So I'm going to put the, make the time signature 13, eight. So there's 13 beats to measure that rep. It takes 13 beats for that to reach the end of the cycle and start over. And I just thought that was from a conceptual standpoint. It might be silly, but I thought it was a fun thing to do, to be evil, let's do it in 13A time. And then, um, so it goes through that, and then it goes around the block a couple times with the chorus. And then I thought, yeah, there aren't really that many guitar solos on this album, but that's a good spot to do it. And that's just kind of how it worked out.
0: Perfect. And now when you write a record, do you consider like like the guitar solo part... Um. Do you consider like you want to pick spots so you don't have them like per every track? That's something I know you guys don't do, but is that something that you always look for to find like? Let me see where I can kind of put a solo in on the record.
4: Um, I I don't necessarily look for it. It's to me, it just sort of suggests itself. Like maybe this would be a good spot to have something just sort of divert a diversion. Okay, like there should be a break. We don't need to hear more vocals right now. Let's just have an instrumental section and where it kind of steps away from everything else. Um, so it doesn't happen that often. I'm probably not like most or a lot of guitar players who they're always looking for a spot to solo. Mm. And that seems to be their primary objective. And for me, that, that's not. To me, I want the riffs and the chords and, and everything to be as interesting as possible, and I focus more on that.
0: Nice, dude. And so when we talked about the ly- when we talked about the lyrics, Mike Patton, um, I've seen him say that he doesn't think he is a, a fantastic lyricist, but I don't think I've ever... I know an artist that writes better choruses and, and what he does with his voice. Every song, he can capture you and stop you at a moment with what he's doing. Lyrically, I've always found him to be very refreshing. Um, one of the lyrics on this album that, that grabbed me really quick was Doomsday Fatigue. And now this record... It's been taken about 4 years for you guys to write this record cuz I looked back on the press when when there was a little bit of talk but lyrically that's such a song that just feels like it happened now. Was that song written during 2020?
4: Yeah. Yes. Oh, it was. Yes, it was. <laughs> um, and and the, the concept of tonic immobility and doomscaping, that's all that's from Mike. Yeah. Um, yeah, he definitely came up with it during that time and it reflects that. Um, I think but yeah, Mike writes really good choruses. And I've told him this, and to me, that's the hardest thing to do, Mm -hmm. writing, writing verses. It's just like you're talking or something. And, um, and they go kind of go in one ear and out the other, most of the time. Um, but choruses are hard. It's hard to come up with something that's repetitive and has, you know, a rhythmic quality to it that isn't stupid or that bears repetition. Um, yeah. And Mike doesn't consider himself a great lyricist. And a lot of times he's just going for the sound or the rhythm. Of things. But, um, yeah, I think he does come up with good stuff. And when I think of the people who are, you know, great lyricists, yeah, for the, but they're usually, the music isn't that good. The music isn't that interesting. Like I can't really listen to a lot of say, well, Bob Dylan, or someone like that, (laughs) you know, Uh, I don't care how good the the lyrics are. I, I just find the music sort of pedestrian and, and it doesn't grab me. And so, you know, you kind of, we've always split the difference.
0: I always relate to, like, a uh, lyrically on this record, Tattoo Tattoo Zero, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a 40-year-old guy that, that's always been into the metal, hard rock scene, I have no tattoos, I've always felt like an outcast for that reason, and then I, I listen to these lyrics, and I'm like, dude, he's, is he just nailing something that I think a lot of us
4: feel, and people aren't even aware of that, you know, so. Yeah, um, I, I'm, yeah, I'm fix- I have one small tattoo, yeah. and I kind of wish I hadn't, because I don't feel it's that unique, and that's why I always forget about that song. It's oh, um, great. lyrics. Yeah. It's like you can't go anywhere without seeing people covered in tattoos. And on the one hand, yeah, it's fine. On the other hand, there was a time when if you had a tattoo, it meant you were a pirate or you were a, you were a Marine or you were, you did time and all that. And um, now people go on vacation, you know, yuppies go on vacation and they come back with, you know, barbed wire around the bicep or whatever. So, you know what I mean? So, yeah, absolutely, um, dude. And Mike has no tattoos, and he's been doing this forever too. So, and I don't, th- I don't think the other guys have any. And so it's funny; we're probably the least tattooed band. And so I, when he came up with that, I was like, "Oh, that's brilliant! You're you're addressing something that I think <laughs> needs to be said." And that doesn't mean we hate tattoos or we hate people who have tattoos. Obviously not. Um, but it, it's just, I, I thought it was a, an, an interesting social commentary.
0: Absolutely. That's what. I, that's why I brought it up. I'm like, see, look, dude, that's such a a nail because I, I feel his lyrics are extremely uh, well thought out. I do understand the the chorus part because yes, um, they do get stuck in your head. Like when we go back to Oddfellows, like the first listen of a song like Stone Letter or Southpaw, especially, it's like boom, boom. You just sing everything over and over again. You're singing the melody sometimes before you know the words, and that is an art form that I think he has really mastered now going back to the 20 years we were talking about, this was something that I, I thought would be a challenging thing for you is that during that time frame when uh, Epic Hack records were starting and all that stuff, he was doing very, very avant-garde music. But Tomahawk mm-hmm. was the band that was like, all right, we're going to kind of do a hard rock band and be a little more um, traditional in a sense. How did you get into that role to help him kind of be the next traditional type band? uh, for his catalog.
4: Um, just from the start, um, he heard when we first talked about doing something together, um, I sent some very simple demos at that time. It may have been just an acoustic guitar and a metronome. Mm. And so right from the start, I I said, you know, you, you're doing all these other things. Why don't we do something that's more stripped down and a bit more straightforward than what you typically do? And at that time he was still doing Phantom Moss and doing John Zorn things. Mm -hmm. So this was definitely, and John, the drummer had battles and, uh, Trevor was playing all sorts of stuff. So this was definitely meant to be, this is the place we go when we want to rock out. And, you know, and that's not saying that it's dumb. I mean, there's some fairly proggy elements and there's been bits of noise and improv here and there. So it's not totally, I don't think anyone's ever going to mistake us for Finn Lizzie or acdc though someone said they thought that uh doggy dog sounds like an acdc song but um i don't think so
0: mm. i did love the end of doggy dog it's how the record ends for people that don't know um that song is out guys we're going to play it after the interview so you will get to hear it but it almost ends like a commercial break like this has been like kind of sponsored by tomahawk and i felt like yeah. that was something to do with modern times as well that was on purpose to do that at the end of the record Oh, totally. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was excellent, dude. That was, that was a great moment. Now, that's another thing. When, when I do hear you guys, you have five records. All sound completely different. Uh, for fans that may not know, Tomahawk is self-titled, and you have Mick Gas. Um, Anonymous, of course, which is its own kind of entity in the world of, of Tomahawk. And then Oddfellows, which to me was like the catchiest, um, almost uh, a little more pop-orientated, if I may. Um, sure. record and then you know tonic immobili- immobility is very much back to that rock and roll kind of like I feel like it, it kind of follows the Mitgas format um, for fans that have been following the band for a long time now the thing I did want to, to bring up about it is that every record there's something new that either you do or Patton does and the other guys as well don't get me wrong uh, Trevor and John but the point is is that on this record like the track Howley at the end of it, when you get that back and you hear Patton kind of do this scream queen s- scream all the way to the end of that song, do you, do, you, do you realize that's in his repertoire, or does that surprise you?
4: Um, no, I've heard him kind of do that thing before. It, yeah. it reminds me of there's a kind of a monkey chant thing that he's mm-hmm. he's referenced. Um, but yeah, he carried it to an extreme on that one. Um, you know, that's the one that's going to have parents coming into their kids' rooms and, turn that shit off! (laughs) Um, You know, more than maybe any other song. Um, But yeah, um, no, we all have fairly well-defined styles and signature sort of things that we do, and it's on full display on this album. We You know, there's references to other even earlier stuff on here. It's kind of a summary, almost, of everything we've done and but updated for you know today's modern society
0: absolutely man so now we do have to talk about um touring now with the year off um and again you know the how busy uh the other guys are and all the other projects going on we all know i got to talk to trevor uh when bungle just put out the the record and all that stuff and i know faith no more had a bunch of tours that i think were canceled or maybe postponed i don't know the exact details But with that, everything took a pause, and then it has to kind of pick back up. So in essence, Tomahawk would be like third in line if touring was happening, just in in releases, is all I'm saying. Um, Is that something that you guys have to discuss, or is it you're just going to have to wait it out until the whole uh, thing kind of comes back in order? And what do you feel about touring? Do you want to get back on the road like you guys did in 2001, 2003, or do you want to kind of sporadically do it?
4: Well, I can't. I I, I can't. I'm Mm. older And I work, I work in a library, um, I get time off to do short runs, but I can't just, you know, ship out for six months or whatever. And I I don't think I want to at this point in my life. Um, touring is hard work and, 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 uh, you know, it's definitely a young man's game. I could do it, but it would wear and tear. none of us really want to at that. I don't think any of us really like doing the big long tours anymore. We prefer, and I think we play better when we do short jaunts. Um, but having said that, yeah, um, we just can't seem to make any plans right now for all the reasons you just mentioned. Mm. Um, all that, a lot of stuff that got canceled last year is getting rescheduled and we don't even know exactly what the situation is with, especially overseas, especially Europe and the UK in Australia, you know, what, where you can come and go, how, how it's going to work. So we just kind of, we just aren't making any plans in that direction right now.
0: Gotcha. And now you did mention that you do work at the library. I did see Mr. Bungle's um, stream from a library. Is it the same library by chance?
4: No. Okay, I'm just curious. No. I, I, I <laughs> but, don't even think that's, I, I don't think they're actually in a real library. It uh, looks awful. Smooth. They fooled um, me. <laughs> no. The place I work is huge. It's a huge um, regional branch that, uh, no, it's completely different from
0: that. Absolutely. No. And so how is that with the, the COVID times? I'm at, Like I said, I'm out here in Las Vegas. Um, they are We do have rules, and it's open now, but there was a long time. I'll be honest with you. Right when it happened in March, we had the shutdown in March, I had like six books and like seven DVDs. For people that don't know, yeah. the library is, is gold for those hard-to-find DVDs. I, I had Barfly, and I can't even find that anywhere. Yeah. And, and so, um, and I, dude, I sat, they sat in my house for like six months. I was so worried <laughs> that I was going to get yeah. hit with late fees, but no, I was everything was fine. But, um, how did that transition yeah. happen to get, get you guys back to work and everything to open back up?
4: Well, it's not fully open. Mm. Um, things are, not everything is fully open. Things are limited capacity. Um, the, where the library system here, you, you, it, we're still not fully open so that you can place things on hold and we are doing curb service where we bring things to people. We check it out and bring it out to you. And then they return it in a book drop. Um, You can come in only if you've got a computer appointment. And even then there's a very limited spots and a very limited amount of people. So um, Nashville, they've done a pretty good job of keeping people safe or trying to Mm. and protecting the employees and the patrons. So, um, but for a lot of people, man, that public library is a lifeline Mm -hmm. because, you know, you're shut, you're staying at home a lot more than usual. So people are reading more. And like you said, there's, you can check out DVDs, but also you can um, download apps, music apps, film apps, etc., and link it to your account. And you can like, I, I use the hoopla app and I check out I get 15 albums a month. Mm-hmm. So I have access to a lot of different stuff and I'm, I use it up, man. I, I listen to new stuff all the time. Thanks to uh, my library
0: it's it's seriously for me, I have my son's five now, um, but they had a program there at the library that I was going to when he was four, and he had these beginner books, like one, two, three, they're leveled out, and then he had to read like two hundred books in his four years uh at four years yeah. to five to get his name on the board, and we were at one seventeen and Closed on us. <laughs> I was like, oh man, like I want to go back. And he's older now, and I mean he's in uh you know kindergarten, he's reading really well. And I think people um hopefully parents know that there's so many programs for your, your kids to just get into and educated. And that's something that like for my household, he has no streaming stuff, he only has physical media, whether it be books, mm-hmm. albums, or yeah. anything like that, because I want them to learn that way. But um, yeah, it's like my happy place, always has been library. That would be like all, oh, it's just, it's it sucks that it's kind of closed for me now. But you're right, the the curbside service works, it's all about that atmosphere of quiet. That's what I describe as quiet, is a library sitting in one. Like, I, I feel like there's a well, silence there, I you don't get anywhere else.
4: That's true, and it's clean, it's quiet, mm-hmm. it's warm in the winter, cool in the summer. Um, they're not all quiet, though. Public libraries, especially the bigger ones, like mm-hmm. where I'm at, um, and after school, you get a. We, there's a junior high right around the corner, and we get a ton of kids. A lot of libraries have teen rooms, and it can be quite noisy. Ah. In fact, um, so it depends on where you are. It depends where you are and what branch you're at. Um, the vibe is different in all of them. But the bigger ones, there's a, It's not the the. It's not the little quiet place with little old ladies that it used to be. It really isn't. Oh. Okay.
0: Yeah, so that's that's the way. Yeah, I feel like my local one is over here in Henderson, Nevada. That's where I'm at, everybody. But I got to tell you, like, I, there's something like with venues, with libraries, like video stores are pretty much out of business. Record stores. I'm in a major town. We got about three remaining, four, um, or yeah. major city. Is there a fear that the public library system might go away? Is there ever been talks of that um, due to this pandemic or for any reason at no. all? No good.
4: No, um, no, not, not in Nashville. It's fully funded. Um, we don't get, it's not considered a high, super high priority Mm. as far as obviously for public utilities, you know, obviously heat, electricity, water, things like that. Um, but you know, it's definitely, it provides a service to people that is actually recognized and respected here. So, um, you know, there's talk of it, uh, but and it goes away pretty quickly. They talk about cutting funding, this and that, but it hasn't happened yet. So we'll see.
0: No, fingers crossed. I think it's uh, it's so vital for us as a everybody, uh, you know, to have a place where they can just go learn. Uninterrupted and, and all that. So especially in modern times. Now to go back to the record. I'm sorry. I I I have a love for library, So when you brought it up, I'm like, oh, I want to talk. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, but to go back to the record. Now, so it took a, about four years. I think when it started to completion on this this album, and as we mentioned, uh, the the press and everything like that going behind it. You know, you obviously were doing the interviews and all that stuff. But after a while, um, without the touring it's going to be hard to keep it up. Now, are you just going to jump into new music for Tomahawk or is there talks and new music for the Jesus lizard or anything like that, that you're going to continue to try to maintain, um, after this
2: record Um, comes out?
4: Yeah, I always, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm always working on new stuff, but almost always. Mm. And so for me, um, I divide my time, music time between just practicing and, practicing and just keeping technique and and that kind of thing going and improvising, whether I'm playing along with, you know, recordings or whatever and and composing and then coming up with and developing new ideas. So I'm always kind of working on something. And then it depends on what opportunities come up and how I can, you know, okay, now I, I have a concrete thing to apply these new ideas to, and then start channeling it that way. Um, the Jesus lizard guys, we all, we're all still, you know, around and we we're all still in reasonably good health and we get along and we, we talk somewhat regularly. And so, um, you know, it's, it's not impossible that we might work on something. Um, but we, we've been playing shows and they've been going really well. So, um, you know, it, it's possible. It's not impossible to certainly put it that way. Um, and I'm always working on stuff and I always, you know, like a lot of people, I think right now I'm happy just to stay and and quiet and play acoustic, and not I don't necessarily mean like folky music, but just acoustic stuff. And it's kind of nice to just quietly not using any electricity, sitting around and playing you know some guitar stuff that way, or even with hybrid acoustic electric guitars, which I've got a couple here. Um, so there's always something new brewing, and I just I just kind of work away and try to stay ready so that when an opportunity shows up, I'm ready. I've got some new ideas. My chops are relatively up and I can go with it. Nice, dude.
0: One thing that we did talk about with the new record, everybody, I want to remind you guys, Tonic, E-Mobility is coming out March 26th. pre order this record. I, I've I was lucky enough to get it about a month ago. I have not stopped listening to it. This week I've revisited the whole catalog over and over again. I can't tell you guys, man. This has been a great week for myself. But the thing you mentioned earlier was that there's a lot of tracks with this evil vibe. And that's the first thing I felt. Like, right off the first song, Shh, Sidewinder, they have these really evil vibe to it. Why do you think that vibe was really necessary uh, or, or important to this record to get out to the audience?
4: Well, I, I like to think, though, it's balanced out. Mm-hmm. Like, for me... I I've, we just like a, there's a sort of a dark and heavy dread that is just hanging over the world right now, and this kind of reflects that. But at the same time, it's not. There's always going to be on all of our albums a little bit of light in there. There's going to be some major key moments and things like that, because you know you can't you can't have darkness without some light. You got to have some contrast, or it or it just becomes dull and overbearing. So, but there is sort of this. It's just heavy sense of dread just hanging over because, you know, we've got a lot of problems, but it's not, we don't, I, I don't think it's negative and we're not drawing on negativity. In fact, there's always, you know, I have to feel some, a certain amount of hope for the future or I, or I wouldn't bother going on. Um. So I think that, you know, maybe this, there's things on here on this album that need to be said and we're, we're going to do it.
0: Absolutely, man um business casual was the first single we're going to play that as, as well um after the interview for everybody that uh hasn't heard the track yet but when picking a a single for this album um why did you guys uh zero into that one out of curiosity fantastic song and i get it but just out of curiosity because there's so much stuff on here that i feel like you could have done the single with but why why did business right. casual stand out for you
4: um picking a single is hard because especially from the artist's side. artist's What you want people to hear, you want the first impression is usually different from what the label people want. They want something that can get on the radio and that's catchy and and will maybe appeal to to a broader group of people than maybe who you typically appeal to. So they're always looking for something that will catch people, whereas the guys, the, the people in the band, usually you want something that reflects more the artistic side rather than the commercial side. And so, um, you're always going to have to split the difference when you're dealing with that kind of thing. And that's kind of what the song was. And the fact business casual, it's, it's kind of humorous. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not relentlessly nihilistic or negative. Um, and the music, I think the music is interesting. It's kind of a grabber and people who everyone's sort of getting back to work now and in America, people are just so obsessed with what they say. It's their health, but really it's their appearance. And, and, um, this is just kind of a, uh, maybe a meditation upon that or social commentary.
0: Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you're right that we, it's hard though. I mean, I, I definitely feel it myself that it, it's hard to not, um, realize that you're not thinking for yourself until you're after the moment. Be like, why would I think this way? But then there's some sort of motivation behind, um, I don't know what the phrase is keeping up with the Joneses or doing something. Uh, do you struggle with that as an individual? Cause I feel like that's the thing that I've seen the most is that I, I feel like the death of the individual and this group collective type of mindset is, is more prevalent than I remember it growing up. That's the thing that I struggle with the most. Do, do you feel that too? Or am I kind of off base there?
4: Um, I don't think I do. And I think, um, at my age and at this point in my life, I've kind of had enough ups and downs and, um, that I'm not as, I I don't think I'm as susceptible to these sort of fluctuations in in public, not opinion, but just sort of the trends and things. I'm not as much, I'm not a slave to trends. Um, I, I kind of, uh, I watched, I can watch these things kind of come and go and yeah, and I'm still involved obviously, but I don't feel like, I don't feel the need to react as much as possible. Um, I, I find myself more often than not to kind of caught in the middle on things. I'm fairly moderate. I, I'm a middle aged, middle-class, middle American guy and kind of always have been. And so, I don't tend to go to extremes in either direction. And, and um, I kind of get tired of people who do. So, uh, you know, I I, I, uh, I watch these things come and go. When you you get older, one of the things is you, you have more experiences to call upon. You can kind of spot things happening. You can see things coming maybe more easily than people who are younger and who haven't. I've seen these patterns that just seem seem to keep showing up. and these trends, this need to, whether it's political or social, or even just working in the library, I can see it's like the history of dieting in America. Like I see these books, older books, where people, you know, they were they were going on this kind of a diet 30 years ago, and then it went switched to this, and now it's all about this. And the same with exercise things, or fashion, obviously, where you see certain looks and things kind of come and go. And when you get to a certain age, you You kind of I, I wouldn't say that I don't care. I care, but i'm not it's not gonna it's not a life or death decision with me put it that way
0: yeah, no i'm I'm on the same boat as you, man. I feel like that happiness is always uh it's easier to reject things that you already know and you've experienced uh, and instead of trying to revisit them and see what made them matter at a certain time. I just feel like life simplifies as the older you get uh, to what's important. And the focus stays there. And that's kind of where I've been as well. So, um, but everybody, I know I, my time's running out. So let me one more time. Everybody make sure do not miss out. Tonic Immobility is coming out March 26th. The latest record from Tomahawk, their fifth record. I love it. Make sure you guys are pre-ordering that. With that, Dwayne, I want to thank you so much, man, for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast.
4: Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it so much. We need people like you out there.
1: Schedule. Let your gut sag to the love shack, the fat back, like a fucking maniac, and it all falls down into the cracks, just do the math. Tomahawk, and we approve this message.
0: And we are back, guys. First song you heard is off the latest record, Tonic Immobility from Tomahawk, their fifth record. It's coming out March 26th. Pre-order it, pre-order it, pre-order it. That song is called Business Casual, guys. There's a video out there as well. Make sure you're checking it out. Second song, album closer. That one is called Dog Eat Dog, both songs. are off the latest record, Tonic Immobility. It's coming out March 26th. Make sure you guys are pre-ordering it. with that. I want to thank everybody out there. Tell us what you think about our rants. We had a lot of ranting today. We had a lot of discussion today. Send an email over to rise to at gmail.com. We will respond to you guys. I'm still backed up, but I, uh, I should be able to get through them pretty soon here. Um, And yeah, do that guys. And and we can discuss some more uh, via the good old internet in a nice way. And, um, yeah, that's the way, that's the way you discuss the internet in a nice way, in a nice way. One-on-one we don't, (laughs) we don't do it to post and, and, and make fun of or make people feel hurtful anyways. Uh, (laughs) and we want to thank everybody out there for the five star reviews. We keep getting on the good old Apple iTunes. That is all we try for on this show is to somehow motivate you guys to get to your Apple iTunes, click five stars. Don't even have to leave comments and move on. If you guys appreciate the, the show weekly, weekly, we've been doing it forever now. All we ask for is that five-star review on iTunes. Please take the time to do that. And if you guys are interested in our documentary discussion podcast, Rise to Offend, that podcast was pretty much made to fight cancel culture when we started the show. That was the whole point, show human beings, whether it be Gigi Allen, whether it be Phil Anselmo, whether it be Peter Steele, Odorous Youngness. We've done episodes on all those guys. Currently, we are doing Charles Bukowski, as Brandon said. If you guys are interested in that documentary discussion podcast to look at people in a human light, Rise to Offend, That is our podcast. Go check that out. Five-star reviews don't hurt us. With that, (laughs) until
1: next week, peace. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off.